This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league. But more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MetaShare. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson with Harrison Zuckerberg, and we are your fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win while also finding meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right but we hope we'll be convincing, and when we are wrong, we try to admit it. And so uh, today's breakout topic is all about confession in fantasy and in life, and we always do a segment called accountability, and so we'll talk about that as well from a fantasy perspective, but also a faith and life perspective. Glad to be with you today. We're a part of the Unpacking It Podcast Network. I'm coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministry Studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we have got a loaded show today because since we were last with you last Tuesday, the NFL has been just wild with, with news. The trade deadline passed. A couple of players, uh, you know, switching teams that, that will have fantasy ramifications already have contributed, like TJ Hawkinson, like Jeff Wilson. So what do we expect from a few of these players moving forward? And then what about the teams that they left? And then yesterday in Indy, one of the craziest things I've ever heard of, Jeff Saturday taking over in Indy as their head coach. That has major fantasy ramifications, I believe, uh, especially for one of my teams in particular, uh, one of my fantasy teams that uh, I was all in on the Colts. So uh, not looking good uh, today, uh, at least uh, heading into the first game with Saturday as the head coach. So uh, we'll get into that as well. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll do some of our normal segments. A lot, lot planned for today and uh, looking forward to it. I do want to announce, we announced this yesterday on the Unpacking It Live podcast, but we have a new sponsor here at Fantasy Football Fellowship. And, and so we are excited to welcome on Sugar Creek Coffee. So check out sugarcreekcoffee.com. And when you order, you got to check out the coffee. You got to give it a, give it a taste. I love it. It's delicious. Uh, but use the promo code UNPACK. So, uh, so give them a try, sugarcreekcoffee.com. Their slogan, passion for coffee, love for people. And it's handcrafted. It's small batch. It's artesian roasted. So this is the good stuff. So I'm a big coffee drinker. Uh, Luke, who you hear on Mondays, uh, is a big coffee drinker. Uh, I'm not sure about Harrison, so we'll ask him in a second. But uh, either way, th- this is a treat. So it, it, maybe maybe you're not always a coffee drinker. You got to check it out as uh, maybe even a little uh, special specialty for you. 
Uh, so we're, we're thrilled to have them partner with us. Uh, SugarCreekCoffee.com. Use the promo code UNPACK. All right. Let's begin with some fantasy shenanigans here on the show. We'll say hello to Harrison Zuckerberg. And uh, Harrison, you're, are you a coffee drinker? How, what's your status? I am. I am a big coffee drinker. I used to not like coffee a lot. I used to be a tea person, but then I, I switched <laughs> to coffee. Um, I I drink coffee a ton now. Just had coffee before I got on the show, but I'm more of an iced coffee guy. I find in the morning, actually, oh. which I know is a little bit of a hot take, but I find that the iced coffee actually wakes me up more, gets me more energized. Like a, a hot cup of coffee just makes me want to like get under a blanket and go back to bed. So I need iced coffee in the morning to get me up, sort of shock me into uh, getting ready for the day. So I am a black coffee drinker. Every once in a while, I don't mind, you know, fun little, fun little flavor. But I am a black coffee drinker. What about for you? Um, I'm not. I don't like super sweet coffee. I don't. I don't get okay. the whole, you know, Starbucks thing. Maybe just a little bit of creamer, a little bit of sugar. But you know, not black. I don't think I could take black coffee. That's a little strong for me. But a, a pretty, pretty mild. Pretty mild. Step your game up. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> and once you taste it, especially with Sugar Creek coffee. You, you want that, the, the delicious flavor, man. They, they do it right. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, let's talk fantasy shenanigans, kind of take a look at uh, kind of where we, where we stand personally coming off the weekend, some of the crazy things that happened in our own world that I'm sure many of you can relate to as well. So uh, what were some of the, the situations you faced this weekend? So I went one and two this weekend, but in the one game that I did win, I had a huge week. I ended up scoring 190 points in this league, which at one point I was projected to score 220 points. I wanted to break that 200 mark so badly. Ah. Didn't happen. But, you know, this was all with Saquon Barkley out on by, Cortland Sutton out on by, Schultz and Dak Prescott out, Mike Williams injured. So I was just starting who I had to. And thankfully, Tua and Joe Mixon, Cooper Cup, Ramondre Stevenson, they absolutely carried me, and I had a monster week, which I always feel bad. Like, it feels good when you have a really strong week, but then you look at the guy you're playing, and he's putting up 140 points and is still going to lose by 50. Like, I have to always feel bad for that guy. Like, hey, you played a great game. There's nothing you can do about <laughs> Joe Mixon going off for 60 points. Like, that's just out of your control. Yes. You just sit back and you go, all right, that's it. And we talked about that last week on the show. You, you set your lineup. It's out of your control after that. And, and that was definitely the case uh, for, for Mixon. What a huge bounce back game for him, uh, especially, you know, there's some concern there. How involved, you know, why hasn't he been as involved? Uh, but man, he showed you how good he, he really is. And in some ways, he really is an underrated running back because he's been consistent for the most part over the last like three, four, five years even. Um, and he's not always mentioned in that same breath as Eckler, Henry. Obviously, McCaffrey and Barkley have been in and out with injuries. Taylor's been in and out. But Mixon's been pretty healthy and has been really good for fantasy owners. And I don't think he uh, he gets the same love. Even Dalvin Cook gets more love than him. So, uh, so anyway, that, I'm, I'm with you on, uh, on wanting to break that 200 mark. I was just trying to break 100 in my one most important league this week. And the Colts continue to let me down. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman are both on that roster. So I'm in big trouble. But here was the shenanigans that I faced this week. So I was all excited about Darren Waller this year. The Raiders have been a huge letdown, and Waller in particular. And what drives me nuts in fantasy more than anything else, the last second inactive, active situation. It, it just makes it so difficult to plan. And, and, and so for me... I was hoping that Waller would be back in this week. 
And I was trying to figure out, all right, what direction do I go at tight end if he's out? Normally, I put Pat Fryermuth in. He was out on a bye. So I was in quite the predicament. My fantasy philosophy, I don't like playing the handcuff. Regardless of the position, I'm not a handcuff guy. So in so I haven't looked to Foster Moreau, who's the backup for Darren Waller, all, all year long. I just haven't, I haven't considered it. But this week, my, my, my options were going after one of the Detroit Lions tight ends who was going to fill in for TJ Hawkinson. So I was considering James Mitchell, rookie. I was like, oh, maybe he, he'd be great. But I go, ah, too risky. We don't know what he's going to do. We just haven't seen this yet uh, with Detroit. Uh, I think earlier in the week, Cole Komet would have been available on, on waivers. Hunter Henry. So I had a couple of different options. And what did I do? I went with Foster Moreau. And what a dummy by me. It was a last-second decision. He did nothing. And then, of course, what happens on the final play of the game? He fumbles. So on the, on the you know, the lateral, the, 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 you hope for something to happen, and you never want to have the guy that has the ball last, and it just, you fumble. Because the game ends on a fumble or just a loss of yardage or whatever. That's usually how those, those situations happen. So at the very last moment, Moreau cost me two points. I ended up losing the matchup by three. So technically, it didn't, it didn't matter. But to be that close and for that to happen, if I would have gone with any other tight end that I mentioned, I would have won. And that's, that's discouraging. So that's my, uh, my shenanigans from the weekend. I, thankfully, I finished three and two, overcame a lot of bye weeks uh, this week. And uh, I did start Romeo Dobbs in two leagues, and he's now out for a while. And then he got hurt early without any production. So that, that hurt uh, as well. Uh, and then lastly, I, I picked up Kenyon Drake, who I, I, I've never been a fan of over the years. I'm not even sure he's ever been on my roster before. But I picked him up, started him, 28 points last night, Monday Night Football. So way to go, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, uh, good for you. That was a big night for, for him and, and obviously the Ravens. So let's, uh, let's jump into some accountability today where we got maybe got something wrong, a lineup decision, something we've said on this show. We'll talk more about confession in a little bit. But, uh, but where, where did you miss this week, Harrison? Yeah, so I'm going to go with sort of a season-long accountability here. We can finally close the door on the Rashad Bateman breakout year and the Michael Thomas oh. comeback year. Those were two guys that I targeted in pretty much all of my drafts, and it looked good for the first couple of weeks of the season. Thomas averaged 20 points per game for the first two weeks. Bateman dropped a 15-point game and then another 20-point game in the first two weeks. And then after that, neither of them really played football. And this week, they were both announced that they're going to be out for the season officially. So that hurts because those are two guys that I had pretty much on every single roster, one or the other, that I was really hoping would be a nice flex wide receiver spot for me who are now just done. So I'll have some accountability then. You know, I, I told myself I was never going to trust Michael Thomas again. I, I convinced myself to do it because of draft price. He built me up and then tore me down again. So yes. this was the final straw for Michael Thomas. I'm officially done with him. I don't care if he's going in the last round and he averages 25 points <laughs> per game for the first couple of weeks, I'm never touching him again in fantasy, which I know I said this last year, but this is officially it. I'm now done. I'm out forever on Michael Thomas. That's, that's fair. I, I've, I've been out on him, uh, but I was in on Bateman. So that, that was disappointing uh, for sure. And the Ravens, they're, they're an interesting team. You don't know who's out there. You don't know who it's going to be. You're rolling the dice from a fantasy perspective, uh, but guys do produce and it's just, I don't know who that go-to weapon is going to be the rest of the way. Obviously, Andrews went healthy, 
uh, likely got into the end zone last night, but he also dropped another one. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Ravens are interesting. Uh, as far for uh, it goes for me with confession, you know, this has been probably a weekly topic. This is one of the biggest topics in the NFL. It's the head scratcher of the year. It's the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, I, I what I've continued to say is and believe, well, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll turn it around. It's Aaron Rodgers. They'll, they'll get it together. Sunday was it for me. I, I, I'm out. And when you lose to Detroit, I love Detroit, but you, know, you put up nine points against Detroit. Aaron Rodgers throws three interceptions. This is a disaster, and I don't see them getting it together. I'm, I'm having lunch with a Packers fan today, so I'll have more insight today. Uh, but that's my, my gut feeling. Um, you know, A.J. Dillon, I've been riding that train all, all year as well. I mean, he might get more of an opportunity with Aaron Jones out, so – you know, it's possible, but overall, I and we'll talk about this later with certain teams that will shut it down as the season goes on. That's what I'm afraid of with the Packers. That at some point, you just don't play Aaron Rodgers anymore because the season's over. It's like, what, what's the point? Let's see what we have in Jordan Love. And I, I'm not a believer in Jordan Love either. So uh, it's, it's bleak. It's bleak in Green Bay. I started Aaron Rodgers this week. Uh, not great. You know, 17 points, but uh, started him over Derek Carr, which was disappointing. Um, and then uh, I also, uh, with the Chargers, they've been another one of these interesting teams, but they're quietly, what are they, five and three, six and three? I mean, they're right there. They're doing well. They're going to be fine. But I gave up on Josh Palmer a little too soon. I, I released him a few weeks ago. You know, he, had, he was battling some injuries, but eight receptions, 106 yards, 10 targets. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they've battled injuries. But Palmer, man, when you watch him, he's good. He's a good player. I liked him heading into the season, and then I gave up on him. So uh, I got to admit that and uh, confess that today. All right, Harrison, we've got a lot of news to discuss today. So we're going we're gonna to skip a couple of our segments to, to, to do this because this is the one time of year where you know the NFL trade deadline, and even more so than ever, we saw a lot of important fantasy players switch teams. And, and so, you know, we saw some this first week, but as we project toward the end of the season, the rest of the season, what jumped out to you? What was the, the biggest move for you? What player are you most excited about based on the trade that took place in the NFL? So the player that I'm probably the most excited about is actually Jeff Wilson in Miami. I think that's a guy that was kind of like a last minute trade. Like it really went under the radar with a lot of other things that happened at the trade deadline. But I think he immediately is going to have the biggest impact. He's going to a system that he already knows with McDaniels. And he immediately pretty much came in and split snaps with uh, Raheem Mostert in this last game against the Bears. Was super productive. I think he's going to usurp, usurp um, Raheem Mostert and become the lead back there. And I, I think he was dropped in a lot of leagues after the Christian McCaffrey trade. People think Elijah Mitchell's coming back. He was pretty much forgotten about. And I think now he's going to be like locked in top 15, top 20 running back for the rest of the season in one of the best offenses in the NFL. And he's probably still on waivers that you could grab this week or make a trade for. Yeah, I, I, I do have him. I almost cut him and I hung on to him. So that was, that was nice. And, and Mostert, I think some of the injury history – makes makes the possibility of Wilson taking over more even you know, uh, likely, I guess. Um, the one big move for me that did not work in the first game, but Naeem Hines in Buffalo. I love this fit. The, the fact that, you know, Singletary, it's a roller coaster ride. James Cook hasn't really emerged yet. Maybe he does, but do they really trust a rookie? 
with that good of a team down the stretch. I think a veteran like Hines, once he gets comfortable, uh, could be a, a really great weapon for them. And we also have to, to couple this with the news with Josh Allen. We still don't know what this injury to his elbow is going to ultimately uh, look like from a, a, a missed game standpoint, uh, I guess if at all, but it seems like he's going to miss some time. But if Case Keenum plays, I like Keenum. I don't think you you have to dock all the the, the, the surrounding players, you know, Diggs or, or Gabe Davis too much, a little bit, but not too much. But I think you would definitely upgrade Hines. The dump-offs from Case Keenum, you know, anytime a backup quarterback, you're going to have your safety blanket. And normally, with Josh Allen, he's running. Like, if the play breaks down, Allen runs. I like with Keenum, he dumps that off the Hines even more. So, uh, I'm, I'm all in on, on that situation. Um, any, any other thoughts on either Hines or the other trades that, that took place? Hawkinson to Minnesota, Claypool to Chicago, your team? Yeah, Hines I wasn't a huge fan of because of the Josh Allen thing where it's like, with Baltimore and Buffalo for the last three years, we've been hoping that a pass-catching running back could be there. But that's just not the game of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So it doesn't really make sense for a running back to get a ton of volume when they can just take off for six yards and get it that way with their legs. But if Case Keenum is the guy there, I agree that Naheem Hines could have a pretty large role. It was a little concerning to see him out-snapped by James Cook, which if like the logic was they brought him in to replace James Cook because they would trust a veteran more than the rookie – but then they still trusted the rookie more. It was kind of weird. Um, but I think he, James Cook. Yeah. What I mean, he, he didn't have a he, he didn't have a great game, but he caught a couple targets and Hines didn't have a single touch. Um, yeah. so I think we could definitely see Hines get more involved. I don't know what his ceiling is in the offense. He's probably, you know, a, a flex play at best. I don't think he'd ever work up to an RB2 role there. Um but I have to disagree a little bit with, with Gabe Davis staying relevant if Case Keenum is the quarterback there. I think it's going to be really hard for Gabe Davis with the type of player that he is to stay fantasy relevant with Case Keenum. Case Keenum's not launching at 70 yards down the field, which is you know Gabe Davis's bread and butter with Josh Allen. Um, so I don't know if I would start Gabe Davis or, or depend on him if, if Case Keenum's the quarterback there for the next couple of weeks. We can't. To me, Case Keenum has been overlooked over the years. Remember what he did in Minnesota? He can play. Thielen and Diggs were both good with Case Keenum. So I, I, I understand your point with the deep ball, maybe. Uh, and no one's got an arm like Josh Allen, so it's hard to even compare. But but Keenum's all right. He's a veteran. He's savvy. That team's so good. He steps into a good spot because we have to remember Keenum was in like Denver and Cleveland over the last handful of years. So he hasn't really. We haven't heard much from him. Uh, get him back out there. I like Keenum. I'm a, I'm a fan, so I'll be pulling for him. Um, all right, and then, uh, yeah, I think Hawkinson in Minnesota is going to be awesome. Um, we'll see with Detroit. Maybe this James Mitchell, he did get into the end zone, so that's cool. Uh, I love the talent of Claypool, and so I think the Bears getting him to compliment, uh, you know, with him and Daryl Mooney, the Bears are heading in the right direction, so you got to be excited about that. Uh, you know, giving up a second rounder, maybe costly, uh, but I, I'm excited about that. And then, in Pittsburgh, George Pickens, kind of obvious that he's a stud. And now he gets even more volume moving forward. I agree. I think that was a trade was kind of a win-win for both fantasy managers. If you have Pickens or Claypool, um, yep. you know, it might Claypool still going to be a little bit inconsistent in the run heavy offense of Chicago, but Chicago's ascending, man. Like I know a couple yeah. weeks ago, I said, Justin Fields was legit. I didn't have the guts to start him two weeks ago, but this week I did start him and he was fantastic. 
broke the single game rushing record for a QB. I mean, he he has a chance to be really special over the back half of the season here for fantasy managers. And obviously guys like Claypool, guys like Komet, Mooney are all going to be beneficiaries of that if he's you know starting to air it out and make things happen with his legs and getting in the red zone for scoring opportunities. The last player to mention from a trade perspective, Chase Edmund, Eds, Edmonds goes from Miami to Denver. I'm, I'm very adamant. I am out on Denver, but I've been stuck with Chase Edmonds in Miami. He's done nothing. I've kept him on my roster. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping for the best. I'm not expecting much, but I'm curious. I'm fascinated with where Denver goes from here coming off the bye. So we'll see. Anything's possible. I, I have very little optimism, but, uh, but maybe Edmonds gets a, a little bit of love in, in Denver. And then the one other big story, of course, to discuss, Jeff Saturday takes over in Indy. Now, this offense has, I mean, we've had like two, three decent matchups or, or performances. Pittman has had a couple big games, but for the most part has been a big disappointment. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, of course, injured. And even when healthy, hasn't been running the ball well. Uh, so this, Sam Ellinger is showing he's not a great NFL quarterback. <laughs> so they bring in a former center with no coaching experience. He's been at ESPN and now he's running the show and he's got a couple of days to get ready for the Raiders. I don't know how you could possibly start any Colts players this week. And, and it's like, I got to bench Pittman, but, but can I really bench Pittman? I, I don't actually, I, I don't even have a third wide receiver on one of my teams. So I'm because Dobbs is out. So anyway, it's a disaster. I'm very concerned. I love Jeff Saturday. Would love for this to be a, a movie making situation, but it has tank written on it for me. And I'm not sure Jonathan Taylor ever comes back this year. That's my concern is that they just shut him down and say, yeah, we'll see you next year. Why, why waste the mileage on what still is a great running back who is still a great running back. So uh, your, your initial take on, on this situation from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. From a fantasy perspective, I, I mean, it's really tough because Jonathan Taylor, if they do shut him down, that'd be really unfortunate for all fantasy managers. Cause he pretty much gave you only one good game all season. And it was the first game of the year. Oh. But looking at this offense, I mean, hiring a guy who hasn't been in an NFL, you know, room in like seven years, who has no coaching experience when you just fire, you know, your head coach, they also fired their offensive coordinator the week earlier. So there's no one on the offensive staff there to coach up and support a guy who is starting his third game ever in the NFL. Like, yeah. how do you expect to go out and compete on offense when there's no one with any coaching experience surrounding a guy with no one with 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 no playing experience like it just makes no sense especially when you have a guy on the roster and john fox who is a super bowl winning head coach not winning, had not success winning. he didn't win he didn't i'm pretty win. sure he, he didn't win okay well he's taken he's taken teams to the, super bowl. To the super bowl like yeah, yeah. it just does not make a lot of sense to me i love jeff saturday as well but i do not have a lot of faith in this colts team for the rest of the season. What's even weirder about it too, is that if you are in a tanking mode here with the Colts, there are only two games back in the division. The Titans haven't really showed you anything this year that makes them say, all right, we, there's no way oh, we can tough. pass the Titans. They're going to be a juggernaut and the Texans and the Jaguars never do anything anyway. So they're still in a, like a role to compete in the division and they just completely blown it up. It makes no sense to me. You know, I think if Jonathan Taylor stays healthy and is on the field, he's still going to be relevant because they may hand it off to him 30 times a game because that's the only sort of offensive game plan they can get in place. 
But I mean, it's just not looking any hope that we had for Alec Pierce or Paris Campbell or Michael Pittman or any of the surrounding pieces there is just completely gone. I would not trust anyone on the Colts for the rest of the year. <sighs> very bleak, very bleak. Yeah, so I was thinking about it with with Denver and John Fox. So Gary Kubiak's the one that actually won it. And then Fox took that team that lost to Seattle in the Super Bowl. And it was that ugly game, Peyton Manning. Um, so anyway, but John Fox took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots. But he is on this staff in Indy, which is interesting. But Fox is more of a defensive guy. Uh, so yeah, no, like you mentioned, nobody on this staff has play calling experience. So it just popped in my head. They're going to have to ask Matt Ryan or Nick Foles. Like, seriously, one of them may have to call plays. That, that, may, ha- that may be their option. Uh, that and is- I, know, I know Jeff Saturday, like, center's a very cerebral position. He's one of the best at it in NFL history. But he has not looked at an NFL playbook in the last, like, eight years. And the uh, NFL modern offensive game has changed a lot. Systems are so different. Like, it's just going to be really tough to formulate a game plan to go out there and have a successful week when no one has ever done that before on the staff. It's just going to be really tough. But the one good thing that did come out of this, we got some all-time uh, quotes from the owner, Jim Ursay. Did yes, you hear he the did. one about, like, I don't know how to make a sausage, but I know how to make a football team. It's like, dude, what are you saying? <laughs> I just love that he, he is embracing the fact that Jeff Saturday has no coaching experience, NFL or college. Like, he's, that's a good thing. Uh, that's a good thing. I mean, I, it's, it, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I, I mean, it's just nuts. Um, so... Anyway, it's uh, it's 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 wild in Indy, so it, it affects us uh, from a fantasy perspective, which leads us into today's breakout topic: admitting you're wrong. And so that's what we do here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. You know, listen, we try to give you know advice and analysis, and I've been playing fantasy football a long time. I think this is my 19th season. Uh, you know, have some experience. I've won, but guess what? I get a lot of things wrong, and so do coaches and GMs and owners and analysts, everybody else, we all get things wrong. And so throughout the fantasy season, you and I, we made draft decisions. We make lineup decisions, waiver wire decisions that are just flat out wrong. We, we miscalculate. We thought one thing was going to be the right way. It was wrong. One player was going to be awesome and, and we were wrong. And for me, I went all in on the Colts. I've been so wrong. Absolutely wrong. I thought Matt Ryan would fit in well. I thought Frank Reich was going to bring a Super Bowl to Indy. I, I, I thought Mike, Michael Pittman was going to be a top, at least top 15, top 10 uh, wide receiver this year uh, from a fantasy perspective. And, and that's been, been disappointing. And so I was wrong. I, I, I've been wrong. And, and so what ends up happening, though, in fantasy is we oftentimes are unwilling to admit when we're wrong. And so we hang on to players longer than we should. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago about compounding mistakes. Um, and, and so a lot of times, you know, just our pride, uh, we're not willing to admit that we should not have drafted this player. We should not continue to have this player on our roster, uh, but we do it anyway. But the sooner we're willing to admit we were wrong, and, and sometimes we have to actually admit to the rest of our league. Because I don't know if you're like me, but during the draft, you know, you you make those pronouncements when you take a tr- when you take a player, and you go, "Hey, this is my pick. This guy's going to be awesome. Steal of the draft." That was Darren Waller for me in round five. 
the steal of the draft. What? Oh, man, what value. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I, I didn't anticipate this was going to happen. Um, and so oftentimes we just have to be willing to admit, confess, tell the league, hey, I, I, I blew it and uh, I, I, I whiffed here. And, and so here's the encouragement for us today as, as we take fantasy concepts, relate them to the Bible, we call it our, our breakout uh, here on the show and, and encourage you to become a Fantasy Football Fellowship member so you can read and, and you know get some extra content on our website, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. Uh, hopefully that continues to encourage you throughout the entire fantasy season. But whether in fantasy or life, confessing to others and admitting when we've made a mistake is, is very challenging yet also freeing, yet also healing, and especially when it comes to life. And, and there's you know great difficulty in, in bringing to light where we've sinned in, in life. Because oftentimes, some of the mistakes that we make, some of the choices that we make, they're done in the dark. They're done when nobody knows it, nobody sees it. Um, but when we're willing to bring them to light, and, and tell somebody and say, hey, listen, here's where I'm struggling. Here are the temptations that I'm facing. Here's where I've given into temptation. And, and, and you know, with somebody that you trust, uh, the process of healing can begin. And, and somebody coming into your life and walking alongside you during, you know, during these struggles uh, can, can be huge. But it begins with the confession. It begins with the willingness to be held accountable to others. Uh, you know, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a close accountability partner, a friend, a brother, you know, wh whoever that may be, we have to be willing to confess our, our sins to one another um, versus hiding them. And, and so here's what it says in Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And, and so we've got to move past the concealing, you know, hiding our sin or, you know, the pride of, of being unwilling to admit that this is sin in our life, uh, that this is a struggle in our life. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the damage gets worse the longer we hang on to this stuff. Um, and then, you know, in fantasy, the longer we hang on to that player, the, the worse things, things get for us uh, oftentimes when, when we know that that player was a mistake. And in, in life, when we know, man, this is, this is an issue. This is, this is sin. This is breaking, you know, uh, God's heart, so to speak. Uh, it's tearing, you know, us up inside. We got to confess it, bring it to light. Um, and, you know, sometimes we think that we're you know, fooling other people because we've hidden something for so long, but, but eventually things come to the light anyway. So, so the sooner we're willing to uh, admit and bring it to life uh, again, the healing begins. And so James 5.16 in the Amplified Version of the Bible, uh, the translation says, therefore confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power.
power. And so we confess, we get healed, restored, and then we have that, you know, clean heart. And, and so then when we come to the Lord in prayer, uh, you know, we, we confess and acknowledge, repent, turn from the sins in our life, and then we have that, that pure, pure heart uh, to come before him. Um, and then our relationships can be restored uh, when, when we're willing to confess and turn from the sin in our life. And so God knows the truth in our hearts already. And, and so we you know, come before him uh, with complete honesty, receive the strength we need uh, from him to then also confess to others so that they can, uh, again, hold us accountable, help keep us on track, and, and then in the long run, you know, help us throughout the journey versus trying to, to live a lie and, and hide all of our struggles and secrets uh, in life. And so ultimately, because of Jesus, we rest in his love, his grace, his mercy. We rely on his guidance, his strength to help us through restoration and repentance. And as difficult as it can be to admit our faults, let's allow the process of revealing to bring us tremendous healing. And, and so hopefully that can be a, a memorable uh, thought today and, and very encouraging uh, to all of us. So uh, I'm, I'm meeting with my mentor today. And, and so if we can have those kinds of relationships, uh, it's huge. Where we confess, hey, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I'm, I'm missing the mark. Uh, help me. Help me to see things a little bit better. And then just that, that confession, that process of confession uh, leads to, to great, great healing for sure. So uh, there you go. That's this week's breakout. You can read that on our website, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. Encourage you to take some of these topics and discuss them with your league as well. And if you maybe you know, haven't been in that rhythm this year but want to, to participate next year, whether with us here at Fantasy Football Fellowship in one of our leagues, uh, or if you want to bring the content to your league or bring the content to your church, uh, check out fantasyfootballfellowship.com. All right, we'll do waiver wire in just a little bit. It, to me, it's a little light this week. Some teams coming off of buys that we have to consider as well. Uh, but I, I wanted to bring up a, a topic today, and this is kind of my my fantasy tip of the week or, or something to think about. We send out a newsletter uh, on Tuesdays as well that you can subscribe for uh, on fantasyfootballfellowship.com. But today's tip is it, we're heading into week 10, and we're already seeing a couple of teams in the NFL that smells like a tank, looks like a tank, uh, where they're shutting players down or they're not rushing guys back out there. and there are some teams that just aren't good and it's not likely that they're going to turn things around. And so we as fantasy managers have to make some predictions on which players who are, who are not going to be relevant in the final weeks of the season. And we need to make adjustments on our roster according to that. And so some of these teams to consider Raiders, Jaguars, Panthers, Cardinals, Broncos, Steelers, Texans, Bears, Lions, Saints, not winning a lot of games. They won't be fighting for a playoff spot. And so what I try to identify, which teams are looking to build momentum for next year, meaning they have a young quarterback, they have young pieces. They're not, their expectations weren't the playoffs this year anyway. So they want to continue to play their guys so that they build the reps. They build the, the you know, the consistency, the, the figure out, okay, who who is going to be a part of our our system moving forward compared to the teams that had high hopes, the Packers, the Colts, why are they going to play their studs the rest of the way? 
They're not. They're going to enter in some of their younger players. So uh, that's how I set it up. I'll let you jump in on kind of what teams maybe you identify either way uh, that, that you're buying into or that you would sell down the stretch. Yeah, so I think there's a few teams in here who are a little bit of both when you look at like the Raiders and the Broncos and probably the Cardinals as well, as in they're still going to try to compete but really aren't going to be able to and are still going to be bad teams, which is just a disaster for fantasy. Because you look at the Raiders and and uh, the Broncos and Cardinals, all of their head coaches could be gone at the end of the year. Like the Raiders were a team that had playoffs, maybe even Super Bowl aspirations with the trades and the signings they made. I mean, Josh McDaniels, if you end up only winning one game this season, you have to think that he has gone one and done as a head coach. Um, so I think he's going to keep trying to win. Same thing with Cliff Kingsbury and the same thing with Nathaniel Hackett as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for fantasy. But I think teams like the Jaguars and the Lions and Texans, where their head coaches, there's a lot of trust there. They know it's going to be a multi-year rebuild. I think those are teams you're going to see really embrace the younger players the Lions, I know last week talked about Jamison Williams. I think they're going to give Mitchell, the tight end, who's younger, a lot of looks trading away Hawkinson. Jaguars, we've already seen them make the shift towards more of the younger players in the offense with the switch to ETN. Um, and then there's a couple teams like the Saints. I think the Saints are just bad, but they don't really have younger options to go they're to. They're weird. Like, they're weird. It's, it's either Jamis. Like, what's so weird about the Saints was last week they played the Raiders or two weeks ago and they looked pretty good. And then this week they just look helpless against the Ravens. It's like, wow. So not only were the Raiders like really bad, they are really, really, really bad if they got blown out by the Saints. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. And then the Steelers, I think, are another team that you mentioned that will be competitive just because Tomlin, that's his nature. He's always going to go yes. for it. But I think they're going to be competitive while switching to younger players. Talk about pickings. I think Jalen Warren's Jaylen, gonna get yes. Jalen Warren's gonna get a lot more exposure in the offense with Najee having a, a really bad year. Pickett's obviously there for the future. Um, so there's definitely some teams to keep an eye on the younger players who who will come on in the next couple of weeks over the veterans. Yeah, one team that I I have Damian Pierce in one in one league with the Texans. I mean, the Texans are they, they were competitive against the Eagles. They're not winning any games. It seems pretty clear that, you know, they wanted the top pick anyway, heading into the season, just based on their moves and, and all that. So they're a weird team. And now with Brandon Cooks, I mean, it's like Pierce is it. So I would not go to the waiver wire and look for any of these guys. I mean, I, Pierce is it. And even Pierce, I would temper expectations down the stretch. He's awesome, but they could definitely ease him out, save him for, for the future because he's a, he's a great running back. So you hate to, to kind of waste him down the stretch. Um, and then, yeah, I feel good about the Jags, the Steelers, uh, the Bears, especially heading in the right direction, trying to finish the season strong. The The Panthers are, are a weird team because I think Baker Mayfield should be the starter, but they're playing P.J. Walker, which probably results in more losses. But they also have some interesting pieces like Terrace Marshall, like Tommy Tremble. Will these guys be a part of the future? And, and so you want to see how good they are, but I'm not sure you're, you're seeing that if you have PJ Walker as the quarterback. Um, I think so the that, Panthers, yeah. Panthers are a really interesting team because it almost like looked like they were going to go full tank mode when they traded away Robbie Anderson, which opens up room for the younger receivers on the team. They decide to go with PJ Walker instead of a more experienced player like Baker Mayfield, but then they keep on, they keep DJ Moore when it was reported that they were offered a first round pick for him. 
They keep Brian Burns when it was reported the Rams offered them two first-round picks for him. So they're in this weird spot of we're going to keep all of our younger players but also not really compete and completely tear it down. It's just kind of a mess in Carolina right now. Um, But if this works into the waiver wire segment for us a little bit, you mentioned Terrace Marshall. He has had two great games. Well, I shouldn't say great. He's had two good games in back-to-back weeks now after the Robbie Anderson trade. He's really stepped up nicely into the second role there in Carolina. They're going to be throwing a lot to get back into games. I mean, he was super talented coming out of LSU, high draft pick, productive in college, got all the physical tools you want to see out of a wide receiver. So I think he is definitely worth a roster spot in picking up this week as someone to sort of keep on your bench, maybe even play him as a flex play, depending on the matchup he has moving forward. Yeah, let, let's go all in on, on waiver wire here as we wrap up the show today. Uh, but but again, consider those NFL teams. Factor that in as you're making roster moves. Uh, who could potentially shut it down uh, down the stretch? Veterans that might not be as as relevant. Um, there's always surprise guys that that can carry you in the fantasy playoffs. Oftentimes, they're young guys that finally get that opportunity. So you have to kind of take a couple risks, couple couple dart throws as well. Um, but as far as waiver wire goes, the one for me coming off Thursday night football, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, somebody that I really liked last year, you know, ha- has been okay. A couple touchdowns this year, but you got to have Eagles players because the Eagles are, are are tough and, and Gainwell may even, let's just say the Eagles keep winning. They pull away in the NFC. They may even rest some of their players in the final couple of weeks. So Miles Sanders could be rested. He's also one injury away, you know, with Gainwell being the main guy, he seems like he's past Boston Scott. So good value with Gainwell on your bench every once in a while being a flex player with some potential opportunity there. Uh, So I like him. Anybody else that you're targeting on the waiver wire this week? Yeah, so another guy who's sort of come on in the last couple of weeks is Kate Otten, the rookie tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had a huge game last week. And I think the Bucs are a team that could quietly sort of make this youth movement as well. Um, When you look about, you know, Rashad White getting some more touches in the backfield, Kate Otten getting more involved in the passing game, even though they're definitely still competing as a team with Brady, they're not tearing it down. But I think you might see some other guys in the offense get a new opportunity because the offense hasn't been great so far. And they're like, all right, might as well try this out. Um, but Kate Otten this week, especially if you need a, a tight end because of buys, he's playing Seattle, who has given up, I think, the 31st most points to tight ends this year. Coming off a big week, I think he would be a great start at tight end. Um, and then another guy who I, I can't convince myself that, you know, I want to pick him up. But all of like the the situation is there for Sammy Watkins to have uh, some decent it, games. Eric. He's going to be the number two in Green Bay with Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson out. I I don't want to do it because Sammy Watkins has never been good. But if a week from now we come back and Sammy Watkins had a good game, I'm not going to say I was surprised. That's the only Uh, thing. I don't know if I'll I'll pick him up, but he's he's a name worth keeping an eye on. No, run, run for the hills, run for the hill. I'll be I'll confess if I'm wrong, but I. I'm not, I'm not putting my, uh, my name to say Sammy Watkins. I'm sorry. I can't do it. All right. Last thing we got We always love asking Harrison. If somebody is legit today, we're going to Chicago. One of our favorite names on this show, one of our favorite players, but we've given up on him. Is he back? Is he legit? Is Cole Komet worth having? I mean, come on. Do you even have to ask me this question, Bryce? Of course he is legit. Cole Komet. You know, stud player just hasn't had the opportunity in the offense. He's finally now starting to get it with Justin Fields. Everything's coming together in Chicago. 
offense is clicking. He's getting the red zone targets now. Field is looking his way. I think he is going to be a great fantasy player for the rest of the season and for the next couple years in Chicago. I mean, I know I'm a Chicago fan, but this situation with Chicago's offense, it's reminding me a lot of Philadelphia from last year where you know people were unsure of Jalen Hurts at the beginning of the year. And then towards the end of the year, you start to see some signs from Jalen Hurts. They got the run game going. Chicago's got a nice two-headed monster at running back with both Herbert and Montgomery. Maybe in the offseason, they make another trade for a receiver to add to Claypool and Mooney, upgrade the offensive line a little bit. I don't know. Chicago could be a real threat next year. That might be wishful wishful thinking on my part. But I think Cole Komet's definitely going to be part of that plan moving forward as a tight end that you should definitely want to have on your fantasy team. You know, I think Fields has been awesome running the ball. We still got to see him more passing, more passing, and and can three guys be weapons in the passing game? So, yeah, I like Komet. I want him to do well. But uh, with him, Claypool, Mooney, can all three be fantasy relevant week in, week out? Uh, I'm hesitant to to commit to that, but uh, but we'll see. Commit to that. How about that? Um, so, good stuff from Harrison Zuckerberg. That's our show today. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a fantasy manager who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as fantasy managers who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Sugar Creek Coffee, our newest sponsor. Check out check out sugarcreekcoffee.com. Use the promo code UNPACK when you buy some delicious coffee. And also thanks to MediShare. If you're looking to make a change with your healthcare, check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. We'll be back, Lord willing, next Tuesday to talk about all the shenanigans in fantasy football. We love it. Good luck. Have fun. And uh, thanks so much for listening. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast presented by MediShare. MediShare. 